All right, good morning. We're going to do the whole thing in the dark. I'm kidding. There we go. All right. Good to see you guys this morning. Hey, uh, a couple things before we, uh, before we run in uh, this morning. We're talking about fear today, but let me, uh, let me give you a couple of things that you need to know. One is next Sunday. Next Sunday, October the 16th, right after the service, uh, we're going to have a thing called Summit FYI. And let me just run through what that is. A lot of you, we have a lot of people every week on the back of their card, they check that they want more info about Summit. And today, if that's you, uh, you can go out there on, on every single table. There's a red brochure, and it tells you our mission, core values, vision, everything like that. Um, but what we want to do is offer you and give you an opportunity uh, to ask questions, ask us, ask us, the leadership, uh, anything that you want to know. Uh, we wanted to tell you the story about how we got here and, and uh, everybody that backs us. And we just want to be as open with you as possible. And so next Sunday, right here, it's right here. We're going to give you lunch as soon as this is over. Uh, you don't have to bring anything. You just be here. But one thing we do need you to do is sign up. And you can sign up when you leave today to your left. Uh, if you just look right to your left, there's a table. There's a sign-up sheet for it. You can just put your name there, uh, your family, just how many people will be there from your family. Just indicate that. Or you can sign up uh, on our website. You go to our website. This is the first thing that pops up. You click there. It'll take you to our Facebook event page. You can sign up right there. So that's next Sunday, right after the service, right here. We want you to be here for that. And another thing is November uh, the 13th. We're going to have a baptism Sunday. And there are several people here uh, that you're talking to me about wanting to be baptized. And we just want to do it all in one shot right there that day. And so if you're here and you have never been baptized, now let me unpack that. If you're here, you have given your life to Jesus, but you've never been baptized baptized. You've never been baptized underwater, coming back up to picture that you've given your life to Jesus, you're following him. If you've never done that, then today when you leave, there's a sign-up sheet for that. All you've got to do is write down your name and the best way for us to contact you, phone or email, whichever way is the best way for us to contact you, you can sign up there. Or again, you can do that on our website. All, every, everything happens on the website, summithazard.com. You go there, you can sign up for that. We will get in touch with you, and that is going to be an absolutely amazing day. If you're here, you've never been baptized, that's your chance to get dunked with tons of other people. It's going to be awesome, all right? So you want to do that. November the 13th, sign-up sheet right out there or on the website, all right? Thank you guys for being here. We're going to pray, and we're talking about fear today. It's going to be good, all right? Let's go have a good time. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for today, and God, thank you that you are with us. God, you're already at work, and God, I know that you, you've brought people here, and, and God, they're just going through so many different circumstances and so many different things, and, and so here we are. We're talking about fear today. God, help us. God, because I think that you want every person in the room, it doesn't matter where they're at, if they're here and they don't know you, they're not a Christian, or if they're here, they've been a Christian for years. God, I think you want every single person to take a step towards you today. I think you want all of us to do that. And so, God, I pray that you would begin to move. God, you already are. Just continue to work. God, thank you that you are here with me. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, today we are uh, talking about fear. We're in the third part of our series called Baggage. And what we do every week in this series is we're talking about different things that you and I are carrying around. Because everybody, I mean, everybody here knows, everybody here in the room today is messed up. Can I get an Amen. Amen. There we go. Everybody knows that you've got baggage. I've got baggage. Everybody's carrying things. You brought things into the room. And so every week we're just talking about different baggage that everybody carries. And so today we are talking about fear. 
Now, as, as we're getting started here, answer this question to yourself, not out loud, all right? We don't, you don't want to scare your neighbor this morning. But here's the question. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of today? Now, I thought you might need some help with that. And so what I've done here is there's going to be some phobias that come up on the screen. And maybe you're going to hit one of these. Calrophobia. Maybe you've got calrophobia this morning. Let's see what calrophobia is. If you have calrophobia, then you are afraid of clowns. Anybody afraid of clowns this morning? We have counselors in the back that are ready to help you take that step away from your fear of clowns today. Let's see what another one is. Here we go. Decide-a-phobia. Now, what do you think that is? The answer is in the word. It's the fear of what? It's the fear of making decisions. Some of you are here, you can't decide if you have that fear. But decide a phobia, maybe you've got, you'll get that later. That was really funny. Um, it's a joke grenade. It, it explodes in a second. So here's, now here's this one. I can't even say that. Hippopotamot, I don't even know, man. But look at this. Look at that. And I, the fear of long words. Now you know the guy that made that up was just doing that to be a jerk, right? You know that's, actual, that's the actual clinical term. If you're afraid of long words, you have that. That's actually it. Now, you know that guy was just doing that to be weird. And here's this one, ecclesiophobia. If you have ecclesiophobia, then you are afraid of church. And we're glad you're here. All right? If you have ecclesiophobia, you are freaking out. So let's make this really long and see if you can take it. All right? But maybe you're here, though, and we didn't cover your fear. Maybe you're here, and, and, and you're, you're not in any of those. Uh, you didn't, you didn't, you're not in any of the things that we mentioned. But, but fear is something that everybody carries. Fear is baggage that you have and that I have. In fact, my hand is the first one up today when it comes to talking about fear. Because listen, if I were just to be really honest with you today, out of everything that we've talked about in this series, we, we started talking about getting past our past, and last week we talked about addiction. Next week we'll talk about anger, and today we're talking about fear. Out of everything we, we've talked about, this is mine. This is the thing. Now, God's, given, God's done a lot in my life and, and helped me to take some big steps forward in this area. But the baggage that I carry around a lot, this is it, fear. And, and I'll tell you what God used in my life to show me how big of a deal fear was for me is starting this church, starting Summit. Um, I, don't know if you, I don't know if you knew this, uh, knew this or not. You probably didn't. And this statistic is going to bounce off you and it's not going to make any impact on your life. But you should know this. Um, 80% 80% of church plants, that's what we are, we're a church plant, we're, we're starting this church, we're launching this church, we're planting this church, 80% of church plants don't make it, 8-0, 80% shut down within their first three years. And so when, when, when we knew that God was calling us to this, there was all kinds of fear in me, and, and to be honest, I just tried to talk myself out of doing it all the time, what, what if it fails? What if nobody comes? What, 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 if, what, what if, what if, what if, what if, i tell you uh, something else that happened for us is we, we didn't go about this alone. In fact, if you come to Summit FYI next week, you'll find out all about this. But we didn't go about this alone. We, we've got a lot of networks that are backing us, a lot of other churches, uh, organizations that are helping us do this every single week all around the state. They help us. And, but one of the things that we had to do is we had to go to a thing called Church Planter Boot Camp. And it sounds far more intense than it actually is. But it was several days, and it was really long sessions, and it was uh, my wife and I, and then there were other teams from other churches. So they sent us to Tennessee, and there were all kinds of other church, uh, church planters and their teams, staff, spouses, and all of them there. And, and, uh, 
and it's a couple days. And so we, we became a pretty close-knit group because we were, we were going to try this. 80% of them failed, but we were just going to give it a shot. We were, we were in this together. And so we didn't become like best friends, but we, there was this camaraderie there that, wow, we were going to try this. And I will never forget uh, earlier this year, in fact, I think it was after our very first preview service, I'll never forget on Facebook uh, a couple that we went to church planner boot camp with. They updated their Facebook status on Saturday night, and it said, after a lot of tears and prayers and decision-making, we've decided to close down in the name of the church. And I was like, oh my gosh. God, what if that's us? God, what if, what if we don't make it? What if this doesn't work out? What if this happens? What if this happens? What if we need this and, God, we don't get it? Can you relate to that? Can you relate to, to, to maybe your mind working in that sort of ways? God, what if my family doesn't make it? God, am I going to live? God, what if this happens? Can you relate to that? See, one of the reasons that I know fear is an issue that I deal with and that everybody here deals with is because of how much God talks about fear in the Bible. Let me ask you this question. You can answer this out loud uh, or to yourself. If somebody were to ask you, what is the most repeated command in the Bible, what would you say? Here's a hint. The answer is in the title of the Right? What's the most repeated command in the Bible? The answer, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Think about this. God says, do not be afraid 365 times in the Bible. One for every day of the year. And I'm convinced that God says 365 times, do not be afraid, because He knows it's something that's always showing up in our lives. It's always showing up. Fear worry, anxiety, in one way, shape, or form. It's always showing up in our lives. And so the question is, what do you do? If it shows up all the time, then what do you do? How do you take a step towards freedom from fear, worry, and anxiety? How do you find freedom from those things? Now, now let me say this. Let me say this before we, before we move on. Because here's what will happen. When we say freedom, how do you find freedom from fear, worry, and anxiety? Some of you in here, and you're hearing me say that, and you think that at the end of the service, you're going to be able to make a, a decision today, and you're never going to be afraid again. Right? You're going to make a decision, God, I'm never going to worry about anything for the rest of my life. Amen. And you think you're going to do that, and what you need to do is remember last week the crock pot. Who remembers the crock pot from last week? Anybody? Anybody remember the crock pot? There you go. A couple people remember the crock pot. Everybody else, you're looking at everybody thinking that we're crazy and we are. Here's what happened last week. What happened last week, we had a microwave and a crock pot up here on stage. And we said that most people think Christianity is a microwave. That you can become the person that God wants you to be in a minute and 30 seconds. All you got to do is make a decision. Boom! You're that person. You're never going to struggle with that again. But what we said was Christianity is really like a crock pot. Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? I feel like I could just need to move on because it's self-explanatory, right? Christianity is a crockpot. What's that mean? It's real slow. It's one step at a time. So listen to me. Today, you're not going to be able to make a decision today that says, I'm never going to worry about anything again. You're not going to be able to make a decision today that, and based on that decision, all of a sudden, you're never afraid. But listen, what you can do today is you can make a decision. You can take a step today that causes you to look at that situation that you're afraid of in a different way. You can make a decision today. You can take a step that causes you to navigate those circumstances of life, that causes you to be filled with worry and anxiety. You can navigate those circumstances as a person filled with confidence and hope instead of somebody that's crippled with fear. Don't you want to be that kind of person? 
Don't you want to be that kind of person? Listen, I want to be that kind of person. I want to be the kind of person that navigates life with confidence and hope in God, not somebody that's paralyzed with fear. I hope you want to be that kind of person. Listen, I hope we want to be that kind of church. That's the kind of church that I think that God wants us to be because Hazard needs a church where people can look at us and even though their life is falling apart and we may be experiencing the same thing they do, but they see that we navigate those circumstances differently. They see we handle it differently. Man, my, my, my financial situation's a mess. I know you're almost in the same boat. Why aren't you freaking out? Why are you so confident? My kids are making the same decisions yours are. I see you struggling with your kids, but you handle it. You navigate it differently. I think if Hazard had a church like that, Hazard would change. Anybody agree with that? I think they would. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to see what Jesus says about fear. And so if you've got a Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be up here on the screen. You can follow along right there. So this is Jesus talking about fear, worry, anxiety. And you can read this along with me. Here's what he says. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Get that question. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So here's Jesus, and three times Jesus tells us in here, do not be anxious. Don't be anxious. Don't worry about your life. And let me tell you what Jesus is not saying here. When Jesus tells you not to be anxious about your life, Jesus is not saying that you shouldn't have any goals for your life. That's not what he means. Jesus isn't telling you that you shouldn't have any goals, you shouldn't have any ambition, you, you shouldn't try to better your circumstance. He's not saying that at all, okay? He, Jesus, is not, uh, Jesus is not looking at you and giving you permi a permission slip for your life so that you can other, look at other people and just say, hey man, don't worry, be happy. Remember that? Remember that? None of you remember that. I'm sorry. That's a, fa a fabulous song. We'll sing it here next week. He's not giving you permission to do that. He's not giving you permission so that you don't have goals in your life, ambition for your life, so that all of a sudden you find yourself and you're 60 years old, you live in your parents' basement wearing pajamas all day playing video games. He's not giving you that kind of permission slip. Here's what he's doing. When he, when he says don't be anxious, we need to understand a couple things. There's such a thing as good worry, and there's such a thing as bad worry. See, good worry causes you and me to look at our circumstances and take steps to fix those things. Because you would agree with this, wouldn't you? There are times when you are worried about some things, you look at a situation in your life and you think, you know what, if I do this, it'll fix it. You ever, you ever been there? So good worry will cause you to maybe look at a circumstance and all of a sudden you think, you know what I need to do? I need to clean up my resume. You know what I need to do? I need to go and get another degree so that I can get this job. 
You know what I need to do? My family, we need to be on a budget. You know what I need to do? I need to get out of this relationship. Good worry works that way. It causes you to look at your life and you say, you know what, here's some steps that I can take that will fix this situation because if I don't take those steps, it's only going to get worse. But bad worry doesn't work that way. Bad worry, instead of good, instead of good worry, just says, hey, here's this, here's some steps. Bad worry works this way. Bad worry causes you to look at your circumstance and say, not even God can fix this. Bad worry causes you to look at your situation and say, I don't even know if God can help me right now. I don't even think God knows what we're going through right now. And that's the kind of anxiety that Jesus is talking about. When Jesus says, don't be anxious, he's talking about the kind of fear that causes us just to completely lose sight of God. So let's do this this morning. Let me give you two facts about fear. Because God talks about it 365 times. You and I, we've got to get a good grip on how to to tackle fear, how to navigate this. So let me give you two facts about fear. Here's the first one. Fear speaks. If you're taking notes, you should write that down. Fear speaks. How many of you answered this question by a show of hands? How many of you know somebody who constantly talks? Anybody? You just know somebody and they talk all the time, right? And there you go. Every single hand. Now, don't look at that person because they may be here. But do you know those people? You know those people, right? You know the people. It just seems that God's given them the ability to talk and never breathe. You know, they can just talk on end, nonstop, and they just don't even need to stop and take a breath. They, once they start, they don't quit, right? You know those kind of people, right? You know those kind of people. You don't need to act so spiritual. You know those kind of people, and perhaps you are one of those people. Again, counselors in the back. Um, but, but this has happened to you. This has happened to me, and if it hasn't... If, If it's never happened to you just for me, then this is therapeutic, and I'm the guy with the microphone. But um, you've been to Walmart, you turn the corner, and there they are. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? And and here's what happens. When that that happens, when you smile, and and this has happened, and then they smile back. It's too late. They've seen you, right? Because you know, because you know, you turn that corner, you see them. Oh, my gosh, you know what I'm saying? You've done that. Don't act. Don't judge me. You've done that, too. And so, and, but it's too late, man. I mean, you turn the corner, and they smile. They see you, and you smile, and you're like, oh, man, it's going to be bad. You, and, and what happens is they start to walk, and you start to walk. You're in their tractor beam. You know what I'm saying? It's going on. Yeah, it's going on. And you're just like, man, God, my afternoon is shot. I had appointments. I had deadlines, but it's over. And so they walk up to you, and they say, how's everything going? And you, because you have the ability to sum up your entire life in a word, say, fine. And then you know it's common courtesy to say what back? How are you? And you know it's over. You don't want to say it. You're like, why am I such a nice person? God, help me to, God, give me the strength to be a jerk just this once in Jesus' name. But you don't, and you say, how are you? And it's, and just, it's just on right there. They just launch into it. They, it takes three hours for them to tell you what they did that morning. Search and rescue teams are out searching for you because no one knows what happens. And it's all because they won't stop talking. Fear works that way. Right? Fear works that way. It talks, and it never shuts up. This is why some of you, you feel a pain somewhere inside of you. Something's not right. Your next thought's this. You're going to die. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You've got a normal routine checkup. You're going to the doctor. Fear says this. It's probably cancer. You're not going to make it. 
Some of you may be even on a more serious level. This is how your mind works. And to be honest, your mind was working this way this morning about a certain situation. The bills are stacking up. The finances are not coming in. And you thought this, we're not going to make it. I don't don't know what we're going to do. What is that? Fear. It's talking to you. You're not going to make it. Your kids, some of you in here, you're worried about your kids. Your kids are going to make those bad decisions. Look at those other people's kids. You see how they're going down that bad track? I bet your kids do the same thing. I bet your kids make those same kind of decisions. God can't use you. You've blown it. Remember when you did that? We talked about that in getting past our past, but fear does the same thing. Fear speaks constantly. It, it never stops talking. And listen, when fear speaks, every time, every time fear speaks, it doesn't matter what kind of spin fear puts on it. At the end of the day, fear's message is this. God can't be trusted. You can't trust him. God can't be trusted. God doesn't know what you're going through. God can't fix this. That's why at one point in verse 30, Jesus says, Oh, you of little faith. It's a faith issue. It's a matter of do we trust God or not? And fear speaks, and its message is always, you can't trust him, you can't trust him, you can't trust him. And listen, you can only hear that so long before you start to believe it. You can only hear that so long before you start to think, yeah, that's right. God can't even help us now. You listen and you listen and you listen and you believe because fear speaks. Another thing that fear does is is fear causes us to lose our frame of reference. Fear causes us to lose our frame of reference. You know what a frame of reference is? uh, A frame of reference, you know, you... It's something that you can look at, you can think towards, you can see, and based on what you see, think towards, know, you can basically judge about this circumstance, or it helps you to navigate another kind of circumstance. And, and I was trying to think, because I really want you to understand what frame of reference means, and I was trying to think of a good example from my life about uh, a circumstance where frame of reference either helped or didn't help because I lost my frame of reference, and I thought about something that happened to my family and I a couple years ago on vacation. Now, let me say this, because there are family members in the room, and you do not know that you're about to be used in a very embarrassing illustration, and if you get angry, next week the sermon is on anger, so I'm already serving you. But, um, because some people in the room don't know it, but they're about to be in an illustration. But I'm related to them, so don't worry, it's fine, it's family. Um, a couple years ago, my family and I, we all, we all went to Virginia Beach, and uh, it, was, it was everybody. It was my wife and kids, uh, my parents, and my wife's parents. We all went to Virginia Beach. Man, it was an awesome time. Loved it. And one thing we did when we were there is we went kayaking with dolphins. Doesn't that sound awesome? What'd you do on your vacation? I went kayaking with dolphins. Beat that. You win. That's the trump card, right? So we go, so we go and we meet this guy. And I don't even remember the guy's name. Uh, so we're, but he's given us instruction on what we should do. And because I'm a guy, when somebody's given me instruction, what am I not doing? I'm not listening. I'm not listening to a word that the man is saying to me. But there was something that he said that really caught my attention. He did say that if you get out there and you start to feel seasick, you start to feel really nauseous or dizzy, look at the horizon because the horizon is your frame of reference. And I thought to myself, what kind of wimp goes out here and gets seasick? I'm going to go kayak with dolphins. It's going to be amazing. And so we go out. And you can already tell where this is going. And so, so we are going out, and it's my wife and I in a kayak, and my in-laws in another kayak, and then my dad by himself in his own kayak. And, um, and so we're out, and we're just doing the, the paddle oar thingy that you're doing, and, and we're out, and, and there's no dolphins. I mean, we're out there for an hour, and there's no dolphins. But listen to me. 
it got to, listen, eventually we saw dolphins, but by the time we saw dolphins, man, it didn't matter. Because, because I don't know what happened, but there, there came a point where we were all doing fine. Look, we're out in the ocean. We're in kayaks. This is cool. But there came a point when it seemed as if everybody but, but my wife lost their minds. It seemed to, there was just a point when everybody except for my wife, just, we just had nervous breakdowns, and we, it was crazy. All of a sudden, my in-laws, their, their kayak tipped over, and they just kept trying to get back in, and the more they kept getting back in, they fell back in, they tried to get in, they fall back in, try to get in, they fall back in. And, I, and then all of a sudden, I start to get really dizzy, and I'm telling Elena, I'm like, Elena, I don't feel good. I don't feel good at all, babe. And she's like, look at the horizon. Remember when he said, look at the horizon? And I'm looking at the horizon, and I'm like, it ain't working. It ain't working. It ain't working. And my dad, love my dad. And listen, if you have lunch plans, I'm sorry, I'm about to say this. My dad leans over and vomits in the ocean. And when he leans over, his kayak tips over, and he falls right into the place where he just threw up. It was crazy. It was, cr- it was insane. We get back to the shore, and the dude looked at us and said, did y'all get sick? Like, you jerk? Yes, we got sick. What you mean we got sick? Didn't you see? We were swimming in. Never mind, I'm not even going to say it. It was nasty out there. Yes, we got sick. What happened, though? Lost our frame of reference. We, we lost our frame of reference. And by, by that point, we'd, we'd forgotten, and there was, there was really nothing that we could do to help us. See, when Jesus, I don't know if you saw this, when Jesus, in verse 26, he said it a couple of times, but Jesus, he says this, Look at the birds. See, when Jesus says, look at the birds, or in a few verses later, he says this, look at the lilies of the field. See, he's not belittling your situation. He's not belittling your situation so that you walk in and you're going through this, and then Jesus looks back at you and says, hey, won't you just look at some birds? That's not what he's doing. He's not belittling your situation. Here's what he's doing. He's giving you a frame of reference. Jesus has given you a frame of reference, and here's what he's saying. Look at the birds. Look at how I feed the birds. Look at how I care for the birds. Look at how I know what they need and I always come through. And then remember when Jesus says this, are you not of more value than they? Here's what he means. Look at the birds. I always take care of them. And Jesus did not die for birds. I didn't send my son for them. I sent my son for you. And if I care for them, how much more will I care for you? He's given you a frame of reference. So that when you leave today, everything you see out those doors, all of God's creation is a frame of reference. The seasons change. They do it every single time. Every time, every time of year around this time, the seasons start to change. Why? Because God is telling you, I'm faithful. I always come through. Look at the birds. Look at the grass. Look at all of creation. It's a frame of reference. Look at the cross. The cross is a frame of reference. Jesus died for all of your fears. Every single fear you have, Jesus took it to the cross. Every sin you have, Jesus took it to the cross and he died for that fear so that you could have freedom from that fear. Look at the empty tomb. The empty tomb is a frame of reference. Think about this. Jesus beat death. And some of you, that is your fear. You are scared to death that you are going to die. You go to funerals and you see it and you're horrified because because you're going to die. Jesus beat death 
And think about this. If Jesus beat death, what does that say about his ability to care for you? If he beat death, what does it say about his, about his ability to come through in your situation, to provide for you? He's given you a frame of reference because he wants you to see that he is bigger than your situation. That God is bigger than your circumstance. He's given you a frame of reference here. So, so fear speaks, and sometimes fear wants us to lose our frame of reference. And again, if we left right now, this wouldn't change your situation. So the question that we should ask Jesus is, Jesus, we see these things, but what do we do? I mean, yeah, we, we know that fear speaks to us. We know it's a matter of do we trust you or not. And we know we, know we shouldn't lose our frame of reference. But what do we do? And, and you know what? I, I've looked this passage up and down. And I can only find one thing to do. I can only find one thing that Jesus says to do. And he says it in verse 33. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. When he says seek first the kingdom of God, here's what he means. He means worship. Worship. Worship, don't worry. See, when we say worship, a lot of you are thinking, well, wait a minute, man. When you say worship, do you just mean walking around singing all the time? That's kind of a lame answer. And the reason we think that is because we think that worship is only singing. Worship is not only singing. Singing is a part of it but it's a small part. See, here's what you need to know. You need to remember this. Worship and worry are at odds with each other. Worship and worry, fear, anxiety, whatever you want to put that label on there. Worship and worry, they're at odds with each other. They're not BFFs. They don't like each other's Facebook statuses. They don't hang out. They hate each other. Worship and worry are at odds. And watch this. Worship wins. Worship wins. When I look at my situation and I don't see how that situation is going to work out, I don't know what the next step is going to be, I don't really know what the solution is going to be, but I look at my situation and I say, I know we're going to be okay because God is working it out. I know we're going to make it because God promises in Romans 8, 28 that all things work together for the good for those who love God and who are called according to His purpose. So worship wins... When I look at my circumstance and my situation, and even though it has not changed, I look at it and I see that God is bigger than my circumstances. See, some of you walked in and you've lost your frame of reference. Your circumstances are really big and God is really small. And worry wins when I look at my situation that is really big. Bigger than God. And I secretly start to think, I don't even know if he knows. I don't even know if he can help us. I, I, I don't even know if we're going to make it. Listen to me. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're at, but I want you to hear this. You can worship today. You can worship because Jesus beat death for you. Jesus took all of your fears on the cross. And what's more unknown than death? What's more uncertain than death? You say, why do you say that? Because you've never died. I've never died. 
There's all kinds of questions. There's all kinds of mystery about it. One man went there and came back. One man beat it and he did it for you. And his name is Jesus. And he beat death. And like we said earlier, if he beat death, what does it say about his ability to change your situation? If he beat death, what does it say about his ability to come through for you? If he beat death, what does it say about his ability to know what you're going through, to be with you in what you're going through, and to change what you're going through? See, so, so here's, here's the invitation today. Here's what I want to invite us to do. Um, I want to invite us to be brutally honest with God today. I want to invite us to be brutally honest with God. And when you walked in today, uh, I hope you got one of these. Uh, we're about to take what's called the Lord's Supper. If you did not get one of these, would you raise your hand? And some of our greeters, we're going to have some greeters go around, and they're going to bring you what you need. But uh, I think everybody's got one of these. I'm going to give you a second to go ahead and get those and prepare yourself. But here's what we want us to do. I want to give us a chance to be brutally honest with God. Because, he, because here's, here's where a lot of you are at. Here's where a lot of you are at. You need to be brutally honest with God and say to God, God, I have a really hard time trusting you here. God, I've got a, I've got a really hard time trusting you with that. Some of you just need to be really honest with God and say, God, you know I don't trust you with that at all. And here's the great thing. He already knows. You're not going to inform him things he's not aware of. Heaven will not be surprised by anything you're going to say. God will look back at you and say, I already know. I already know. He loves you anyway. See, some of you are here and you need to be really honest with God about the fact that you're not a Christian. You're not a Christian today. Yeah, you may have grown up in church. You may have prayed a prayer at one time. Maybe you were really little. You went to church somewhere and you prayed a prayer. But let's be honest, God knows that you know it. Doesn't mean anything in your life. You're just hoping it gets you out of hell. This is probably not for everybody, but this is for somebody. Somebody did that. Maybe even when you were little, you went to a church service and you got baptized. Well, yeah, I got baptized. I don't, I'm not really interested in living for Jesus. I'm not really interested in following Him. But I got baptized when I was five. Isn't that what it means to be a Christian? No. No, that's not what it means to be a Christian. What it means to be a Christian is that you have a relationship with Jesus, that you see that you were made for Him, that, he, that you see that He's all, you're ever, that you've all, all you've hoped for, all you could ever dream, and without Him, you don't have anything. And so some of you need to be brutally honest with God, and everybody else here may think you're a Christian, and listen, you're really afraid about what's about to happen, but all I'm going to ask you to do is this. I'm going to pray a prayer, and if you're here and you're not a Christian, I just want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come up front. I'm not going to ask you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to shine a spotlight on you. Hearing you thinking, wow, I need to do that. I need to give my life to Jesus, but I'm really afraid of what, what everybody around me will think. Listen to me. Nobody in this room right now, nobody around you gets the ultimate say over your life. Only God does. The only opinion about you that matters and the only opinion, opinion that you should worry about is God's opinion. 
If you're here and you know you need to give your life to Jesus, you know you're not a Christian, you know you need, you know you need him in your life, you know you need to be forgiven for your sins, then I'm going to pray. And when I pray after I'm done, if you say, Mark, I've just given my life to Jesus, or I want to give my life to Jesus, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. All right? Let's pray. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're here and you know you've never done that, you don't have 100% confidence that you're, that you're a Christian. You don't have 100% confidence that, you're, that you've got a relationship with Jesus. Why don't you pray this prayer? Why don't you make today the day that you respond to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to give you my life. If that's you, then you can pray this prayer with me where you're at. Just go to him in prayer and say this with me. These are not magic words, but... But I've just found a lot of times this helps people. And so this is for you, just between you and God, just me trying to help you. You can pray this to God. Say, dear Jesus, I know you died for me. I know you came for me. And today, I'm asking you to forgive me for my sins. Today, I'm giving you my life. Today, I want to start a relationship with you. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you came for me. And thank you for your forgiveness. In your name, amen. Would you just keep your heads bowed and eyes closed? If you just prayed that prayer, would you just raise your hand right now? If you just prayed that prayer to give Jesus your life, to ask Jesus to forgive you for your sins for the very first time, would you just raise your hand where you're at? Amen. Here's what I want everybody to do right now. I want everybody to look up. Look at me. See, the night before Jesus died with his disciples, the Bible says in, in a room, Jesus is with, is with his disciples. And what he's trying to do, he's trying to prepare them for the fact that he's going to die. He's going to die for them. He's going to die tomorrow. And they, and they don't know it. They don't know all the ramifications of it. He's just trying to prepare them a little bit. And so what he does is, is he takes some wine. And he, and he gives each of them some of it in a cup. And he says, guys, drink this. Because my blood's going to be poured out for the forgiveness for your sins. And every time, you, every time you do this, I want you to do this over and over and over. I never want you to forget what I've done. I never want you to forget what I'm going to do for you tomorrow. And so they took it and they drank. And then Jesus took some bread. And he broke the bread and he gave some to all of his disciples. And he says, guys, I want you to eat this. And, and when, you, when you eat this, I, I want you to never forget the fact that tomorrow you're going to see me die for you. I want you to never forget what I've done for you. When life seems to be really big, when life just seems to get overwhelming, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. I never want you to forget what I've done. See, what Jesus does when he institutes the Lord's Supper, because he told, he told the disciples to do it, and he says, do this until I come back. See, Jesus is coming back one day. I don't know if you knew that or not, but Jesus is coming back. And he told us, everybody here in this room, all of his followers, to do the exact same thing, to take the Lord's Supper, to remember what he did. And see, when Jesus gave us the Lord's Supper, what he's doing there is he's given us a frame of reference. Because some of you, if you were to be honest, you've forgotten. You've forgotten that you were bought by Jesus. You've forgotten that he came for you. You've forgotten that he looks at you and he says, regardless of where you're at today, I care for you much more, much more than the birds. Much more than my creation. I died for you. And so today when we do this, today when we take the Lord's Supper, and we invite you to do this, if you're here, you've given your life to Jesus. If you're here, you know you're a Christian, we invite you to do this with us. 
Now let me say this though, if you're here and you've got, issues, you've got things in your life, you've got sins in your life, you've got stuff in your life, and you know God says, hey, you should not be doing that. You know God says, that's a sin. But you look back at him and you say, I don't care, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm not talking about if you had a bad week, okay? I'm not talking about if you had a bad morning. I'm talking about if you've got stuff in your life and you know that God's caused it a sin, but you say, God, I don't care if this is a sin, I'm going to do it anyway. Listen, the Bible in 1 Corinthians gives extremely serious warnings about that. And what I would say to you, if that's you, don't do this. Just don't do it. In fact, Paul says, Paul calls it trampling on the blood of Jesus. So, so don't do that if that's you. But I don't think it's a lot of you. And what I would invite all of us here to do who are Christians is to take and eat and drink and remember what he did. And so if you take, take this, just peel back the first layer. Okay? And you can take this wafer and Jesus says, eat this because my body was broken for you. And then if you go back to the next layer. And Jesus says, take and drink because my blood was poured out for you. Pray with me. Dear Jesus, I thank you that today, that even though fear speaks, you are louder. God, I thank you that, that even though we may have walked into the room today and we've forgotten our frame of reference, you have not forgotten us. That Jesus, you came for us, you lived, you died, you rose again for us. So, Father, I pray that when we leave, even though we're leaving and our situations haven't changed, even though our circumstances haven't changed, God, we can leave today as people who can navigate those circumstances differently. We can worship in the midst of those circumstances because you're caring for us. You've promised that you're always with us, that you'll never leave us. You've promised that you're bigger than our circumstances. And, God, you love us so much that you sent Jesus to die for us. So, Father, I pray that as we leave today, we would leave confident, hopeful, filled with faith because Jesus is alive because He has bought us and we are His. In His name we pray. Amen. Let's give Jesus a round of hand, uh, hand clap today. Let's praise Him for what He has done. We thank Him for what He has done, that He is alive today. And listen, when you leave, we want to thank you so much for being here. If you're a first-time guest, our greeters are already there waiting to help you, to receive you. Listen, when you leave also, you can see our ministry area. We've got free Bibles there for you. We've got some people there that want to help you today. If you want to pray with anybody, talk to them. If you filled out your card and you checked, I gave my life to Christ, give that card to the people in our ministry area in, in the room to your left. Thank you guys so much for being here. Come back next week. God bless you guys.